OTL, what's popping? It's Jeremy. We're back on the podcast. We have special guests in the house today, but first, we got some things to go over. We got some new promo codes for you guys. We had Versa Climbers CEO, Mr. Dan, on the podcast a little bit ago. Uh, so we have a OTL 10 discount code for all of their products, as well as with Transfuse for your rehydration needs. Uh, we have our new drop online, Off the Leash Lifestyle. Patty's been murdering that respect, the suffering part two. Some of y'all seen it. It goes hard. But it's time to get down to business. We got a special guest in the house. Like I said, this man, 26 years old, born and raised in Washington, lived on the same street for 25 years in a row. It's crazy. Competed in the CrossFit Games, ultra marathoner, the boy yatted, pretty boy swag. His name is All Day Dre. Andre Jordan on the podcast. Welcome, my friend. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. It's good to have you on here. What's popping? What's going on? What's new? Uh, not a whole lot. Just wrapped up uh, sub three marathon training. Whoop! We're in the middle of uh, a lot of work in the business right now. Um, six months into owning my first house with oh, snap. my gal. Congratulations. Yeah, life's good. Life's good. What's the best thing about the new spot? The quiet. Ooh. It's peaceful. Snohomish is not that far away from everything, but it feels like you're disconnected. And that's something that I absolutely love. It's almost like you have peace all day long out here in this grind. I do a little bit. <laughs> it, get, it gets busy from 7 a.m. until about 8 p.m. And then... It's just peaceful and quiet, but like that time in the morning from 4 to 7 a.m. is just the best three hours of the day. So tell us about Beat the Pavement. Beat the Pavement. Um, that little hashtag, I go on little hashtag kicks whenever I start training for something. It always changes. Um, but Beat the Pavement, one of the biggest things I've ever taken away from running is just the basic work. And it's a lot of boring the work, boring work, and it's literally just going out there and beating the pavement. It's... That pavement's not going anywhere. It's hard. It's solid. And you just got to build that foundation. Um, and it's just about getting out there every day. It's just doing the boring stuff. What do you think is the number one thing you've learned from just beating on the pavement over and over and over again? Just the basics. Like when you're out there on the road, what's the thing that you've you've come to value the most about running? Um, being present and being patient. Without a doubt. So what, what tools does it take to, to be better at being present? Because I would say kind of in our day and age, it's difficult to just be where your feet are. So do you think that you've conquered the ability to just kind of like turn off all of the distractions and just lock in? If you, if you do, you know, you do think that you mastered that, how did you kind of get to that point? Um, and what, are, what would you say your main distractions are like when you're trying to train, like for you personally? Yeah, I mean – I think being present is the most important thing when you're trying to be patient. When you think about patience, it's really just what are you doing between now and then? And that result requires you to be patient. So when you're getting out and you're taking it one mile at a time, it's you're just taking it one mile at a time. And sometimes you think about getting to halfway and you're not even halfway to halfway. Mm. And so staying disciplined and focused on whether it's just your foot strike, whether it's your breathing, whether it's your heart rate, um, whatever it might be, and then being able to basically play games in your mind. I think a lot of times um, 
we want to get to mile 25 and we want to get to the end. Um, but there's a whole lot of work that goes into getting to that point. Um, and at the end of it, it's like when you finish the race, it's like the race is done. But it's all the things that you have now become through the training um, and then therefore being reflected in your performance at the end of it. And I feel like it translates everything in life. So do you think that that is something that you kind of discovered yourself, like the ability to lock in, you know, be consistent, be disciplined, or were there certain influences in your life that you kind of looked at that and you're like, I want to be like that, like, okay, that's what it looks like to be excellent at that level. You know, who were those people in your life? If there were any, if you'd figured out yourself, then bravo. Yeah. I mean, to get to that point, um, you know, I don't have the most amazing relationship in the world with my dad, um, but my dad has always been a very principled person. And he used to say a lot of things when we were younger, such as like, I'd get really mad and he'd be like, does it matter in like five years? Um, he was always very level headed and he was always very um, patient. He was very calm. He was not a very emotionally reactive person. Um, and through that process, I think I learned more through rebelling against a lot of things that he would tell me at, at a young age. Um, and through a lot of that, I think he actually like heavily influenced me to where like all these principles and things that I think about in my life now are a lot of the things he used to tell me when I was just young and dumb and didn't want to listen. Um, but that whole like discipline process was like, I was just a rebellious kid. Um, I'm still a little rebellious now. Um, I like to do things my way. Um, but it's just, I love pain. Like I always, there was this thing when I started to get into CrossFit where like you would watch people do a workout and they would like lay on the floor. And like, that was like the cool thing to do. It's like work out so hard. You have to like pass out. And then I started seeing people like not lay on the floor. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Like they don't even look like they're tired. And then that became the thing to chase after is like, how do I do so much work? How do I prepare so well that even when I perform at a high level, like you can still keep going or like you it doesn't even look like it affected you. And it's like when you see other people hurting when you're like in a race, right? You see somebody like slowing down, like that's the gas to make you speed up. Um, when you see somebody struggling to lift a weight it makes you want to actually put more weight on a bar and it's not against that person that, at all but that's just where I started to find more of my fuel was where other people start to slow down that's when I want to speed up when you get tired that's when I get more energy and it's just become more of a little bit of a mindset game than anything else yeah there's there's so much value to to what you're saying because I um like we call it iceberg work where, you know, the race day, you know, you is all above water. Everybody gets to see the lights are on. It's performance time. But then, like you said, at some point, somebody's going to pass out. Somebody's falling out, and then somebody's still going. And it's just like everybody's amazed except for that person. Because like you said, like they, they're the ones who knew that they put the preparation in to, uh, to push past the limits that everybody else was succumbing to. Um, and, I, and I think that that's... Uh, something that I'm addicted to finding is people like that, you know, where they just move differently, they speak differently, and usually the majority of the time, they're some of the most humble 
you know, because they've gone in the pain cave so many times that they don't need accolades. They don't need recognition. It really is like them against themselves. You know, it's them against the pain cave. It's them against, you know, all the things that, you know, for some people, it's like the lies that they've believed over their life. Uh, somebody told them when they were a kid, you know, how many times in the NFL, you're like, they wrote me off. Teacher told me I was never going to do nothing or, you know, and or, you know, I was drafted in the whatever round and they didn't think that I was going to become anything. And you're like, these guys are the best in the world. And they're still thinking about like their third grade teacher, you know, and there's that chip. And I think everybody's chip is different. Um, but, you know, I, obviously we've talked about David Goggins before when he's like, that's the beautiful thing about ultra marathons and I've never done ultra marathon myself, but you know, being out in the wilderness, there's nobody around for 15 miles. There's nobody to blame. There's nobody to scream at. There's nobody to, you know, it really is just you and your own thoughts, you know, and, and your ability, like there's, there's a famous saying, you know, it's the, you know, for most people what they can't stand is to sit in a room with their own thoughts. Like the inability to sit with your own thoughts is why there's a lot of problems in the world. Um, and so there's, there's so much value in the people that are able to go, um, silent for a little while. Uh, and, and people like you, that get up early in the morning and it's dark outside and it's raining and everything in your life is telling you like, uh, you can probably sleep in a little bit longer. It might be good to get a little extra recovery. Like even the way you can justify it, you know, but to justify the hard thing, you know, and I think that's where. Uh, a lot of people can make massive strides. It's like you can justify anything in your life. Like the the hard part about excuses is that they're always valid. Any excuse you have is valid. Are you tired? Probably. You busy? Most likely. Did somebody else do something that affected your life? Mo- probably. You know, but the, the thing is that those things aren't going to get you where you want to go. So do you want to fight for your limits and keep them? Or do you want to actually get to where you said you wanted to go? And that's, that takes what it takes in the words of Trevor Moad. Yeah, I think I think excuses tell you a lot about people's priorities in life. Like their level of excuses or justifications just tell you what they really do or do not prioritize in life. And um, I think something I try to focus on a lot is just like it. Everything is way more dependent on what you do, not what you say. And it's like I think saying things is good. Um, it gets you hyped up. It gets you motivated. It just kind of gets you to do the thing. But once you get in the habit of doing some things and you've accomplished a couple things, then it's just like, shut up and just like, just go stack evidence and just go do a bunch of work. Um, Cause I think that's where a lot of the great influence lives. It's like a lot of the people that I look up to and respect, it's just like all the accolades and all the things that they've done where I'm just like, man, like that's savage. And it's just like, go out, attack the thing, check that box and then get to the next. What you said kind of reminds me of that, the Alex Hermosi quote. I think we've talked about it on this podcast before, but, you know, confidence doesn't come from screaming affirmations in the mirror, but creating an undeniable stack of proof that you are who you say you are, you know, and, and I think that's, um, you know, people's lives leave evidence, you know, success leaves clues. Um, and I think that's why a lot of like birds of the feather flock together. Cause you start to pick, recognize, you know, the clues and the habits of people who are, are successful in, in any of their own rights. It doesn't even have to be, be the same demographic of the people that you, you roll with. You know, it, it's just the way people talk and the way that they move and the way they interact with, with individuals around them um, that, make a, that make a big difference. You know, do you, where you're at right now, if we, if we roll back even just a couple of years, say 
five, six years. I mean, you're 26, so let's say you're 20 years old. Where did you see yourself when you were 20 being where you're at now? Or, or are you drastically on a different course than where you thought you were going to be? Oh, man. Um, I would say I didn't really have a good direction. Um, I was ignorant enough to where when I've been in the fitness industry for eight years, um, and it's something that I knew I always wanted to do, but I definitely didn't know where it was going to take me. Um, you know, at the time too, it's like, I think the longest relationship I'd ever been in was like maybe like a handful of months, like at best. Um, you know, they, my, my girlfriend now, Stephanie, I've been with her for coming up on three years in, uh, in March. Um, and like, that's been a blessing. Um, I've never really pursued growth on such like a, a leadership and personal level that I would say I've probably pursued over the last couple of years. Cause it's, it's just like something you don't even think about. Like when you're 20, I was thinking about the skills or all the tangibles and not all of like the intangibles and all of these emotions. And I think the kind of each year it's like you start to get more in tune with your emotions and you start to realize that a lot of the bad things that happen or a lot of the poor decisions you make are always like emotionally based decisions and they're very like reactive. Um, so just practicing being a lot more patient, a lot more objective, a lot more logical, um, and then really having like more of a definite chief aim, like where is it that you want to go? Where do you want this thing to um, take you? Um, and then understanding that if you're just doing it by yourself, it ain't that fun. Um, and like, you're the only person that's super stoked about it at the end of the day. And I think the ride has become a lot more, um, about everybody else and a lot less about just me. So I'd say probably the biggest difference between 26 and 20 is doing it with people and not just myself. I mean, I'm assuming along that way, like you said, you didn't have like a, a huge plan when you were 20 and, and that you were a little rebellious. Welcome to the club. Uh, were there were there some like core moments, whether like really big, good moments or like bottom of the barrel moments that really changed the trajectory of, of your life? For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I just not, I was just not a, I just didn't make good choices. Like it was... Uh, it was far more about how does Andre have as much fun as possible? How does Andre take as much as possible from anybody and everybody else? And it really doesn't even matter how it affects them because I get what I want out of it. And ruining a lot of friendships, ruining a lot of relationships, making a bunch of bad choices, and having absolutely zero happiness. And then realizing that I don't want that. Um, and actually the things that I wanted in life were through building relationships, were through helping others achieve what they wanted to achieve, um, seeing other people be successful. And by almost getting more consumed about that, I started to have more success personally. And that's just been one of the biggest things for me because I, I torched a lot in my past. Um, and probably hurt a lot of people too. Um, but I think you have to go through a bunch of, like you just have to go through some ugly shit. You just have to 
you have to burn bridges. You have to make bad choices. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, am I going to change or is this who I'm going to be? And I think that pain of change has to be greater than the pain of staying the same. And therefore you will change. And sometimes it takes hitting some really ugly lows and that's just part of it. And that's okay. Was there, was there somebody that, uh, that got through to you that kind of had like a little come to Jesus moment with you? For sure. Um, first person that comes to mind is Steph. She's good at that. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's really good at that. Yeah. I mean, outside of the fact she's a total babe, um, she's, uh, no, she, she's beautiful, but she has taught me how to be patient. She's taught me how to, um, be trustworthy. Um, and she's taught me a lot about just like, just the, uh, the importance of having like real relationships with people, having real relationships with family. And when you really, really care about somebody, you're going to stick with them for sure. Like, and you are going to, without hurting yourself too much, you will go to the ends of the world to make sure that that person is taken care of. And I think she's done a lot of that and it has not been through a lot of the things that she has said, but through a lot of the things that she has done she was one of the first people that when I wasn't in a good spot made me feel seen and helped me believe more in me. Mm. Yeah. Is there somebody that along the way that maybe rubbed you really wrong and that you like maybe even like hated, but looking back, you're like, man, that person really was like trying to, to get the best out of me and really did love me enough to say what they said. Um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it on them. I'd put it on myself. I would say that I've had some pretty good mentors in my life that try to put me in good positions. And then just through my own ego or my own ignorance, I would just fight against it. And therefore like it broke down in the relationship. Yeah, cause I'm. I guess I'm always. I'm always curious um, about just life cycles, uh, and especially thinking. You know, you mentioned your your pops, and um, shout out to Juan. That's my guy. <laughs> um, obviously, we we work in the gym, and you work hand in hand with a whole lot of people. And I think for me, I get to be around a lot of parents. You know, that are talking to each other inside conversations, and you just hear people talking about their kids. And, you know, just being bewildered, like, I don't know what to do. You know, it's like, I've said what, what, like, I've been stern, they don't respond to that. I've been kind, loving, graceful, and they take advantage of that. And, and it's like, seeing it from the other side, I'm like, man, just the, the pain of a parent to try to try to figure out how to love your kid well, you know, and help them be the person that you, you hope that they would be, um, and it like it really did change my view of of parents and the relationship with kids, and I think uh, what I try to encourage parents with is like I promise that they're listening, you know. Even if whatever you say doesn't seem like it's getting through, I promise that whenever they're making a decision, wherever they go in life for the rest of their life, they're always going to hear you in the back of their head saying what you've always said, saying your little sayings, better safe than sorry, you know, like all those like little things that parents say, um, that it's, it's hard to, to trust 
what you've done and what you've given your kid. Cause it's like, no one gets parenting courses, you know, like you figure that stuff out on the fly. No one's kids the same. So no one teaches you how to, you know, how to parent your specific kid. Um, but I think that no matter how good or bad the kid is like that stuff always like is in your spirit. And, you know, I, I think about, you know, you now and, and obviously I get to know your dad cause he's one of my, one of my personal clients. Um, and, and just the view that, that he has of you and how proud he is of you. Cause every time he talks about you, his face lights up, you know? And, and that's a, it's a cool thing to, to see. Um, because it's like, there's always that redemption story where life goes in cycles. But, you know, I, I think, um, just with, with my own dad, like I didn't, he wasn't a super lovey dovey, like give you a hug, tell him I'm so proud of you. Like there was a lot of challenge, like, well, you're good, good compared to who, you know, it's like, there's, it's always like fighting for something that you feel like you're never going to reach out and grab. Um, but later on in life, there's something really powerful about being able to like look your parents in the face and know that you're doing right by all the prices that they paid for you, you know, to pave the way for, you know, you to go to certain schools or go to sporting events or, you know, the long nights they, you know, prayed and, and hope to God that you, you know, are safe, whatever, whatever it is. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, to give your flowers there. That's like watching your dad be proud of you is, is something special to watch. Um, and it's, it's cool to, it's cool to see. And, and it's like those moments when, the, when that happens, I wish I could get on video because it really would, it, I think it would change so many kids' lives knowing what their parents actually think of them. Yeah. You know? I, I think, um, I mean, I, I've got all the respect in the world for my parents. I, there's something I think it was uh, a Tony Robbins thing he said a long time ago. It was, it's not like one of his big conferences. I saw it on a video and he was like, if you're going to blame him for all the bad, you better blame him for all the good too. And it's like, I think as he, when you're growing up, you want to blame them for, I don't know, maybe you didn't get allowance or maybe they didn't put you in, um, dad, but I have my money. <laughs> why didn't, why didn't you buy me the car? Like, why didn't you pay for this? Or why didn't you give me money there? And like, at the end of the day, they were always just trying to do the best that they could with what they could. And, you know, I always look back on it, It's like my parents didn't like they weren't like, oh, hey, we're going to go pay for your insurance and here's your car. They're like, cool, you want that? Go go pay for it. Go get a job. And like in that moment, you're like, what the heck? And then you look back and you're like, I'm so grateful that happened. So grateful. And so it's actually been cool because year over year, it's like our relationship gets a lot closer. Um, and I've got all the love and respect in the world for them. And I mean, at the end of the day, I think they just they just want you to be a good person. Right. And then um, that's been a huge growth for us because the more honest that I've been able to be with them, whether that was things that have happened or things that are going to happen, it's just like the relationship itself is just so much more solid than it's ever been. And mm. I think that's actually been a really helpful perspective because you then want to, if those are like some of the people that you're not necessarily closest to in life, but like they mean the world to you. I mean, they're your parents at the end of the day. It's like you also pursue that in other relationships too. Um, like I would never want my parents to be like, yeah, our kid's super dishonest and he lies <laughs> about everything and he's a total piece of shit. It's like, man, that's a, he's a man of his word and you know, he's going to make some dumb choices here and there, but his heart's in the right place. And if he fucks up, at least he'll own it. Um, and at the end of the day, it's just like, I want them to be proud for sure. Mm. Well, I'm sure they are. The, um, I'm, I'm one thing that I'm, I'm really 
that uh, I hold high in my value system is principles. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that people people make massive strides in in their leadership and their sphere of influence when you go from comparison to people to comparison to principle. Um, and also, I think everyone has a, a set of rules that they decided to live by. Um, and so, you know, for good or for bad, you know, their interactions with the world and the quality of their life really do come into correlation with, you know, how the world around them plays their game by their rules. And so, you know, for, for your life, what would you say are some like the principles that you live by that not only do you hold in high regard, but the people that want to get close to you, you know, that there, that there's evidence there for what you're looking for. Um, and that's what you value. So what would you say some of the principles are that you you value? Yeah, I would say one that's really been leaning into me a lot has been, and it's something I've been focusing on a lot and I've been relaying a lot and trying to teach a lot, but you got to learn how to not quit and then you can learn how to win. And I think that is the most fundamental principle for anything that you want to do. I think whether it's at work, you got to learn how to not suck and quit your job (laughs) in order to learn how to win and be good at your job. Um, If you want a successful relationship, you got to learn how to not quit on that person. You got to learn how to not walk out the door or run away from the conversation. Like you got to master that piece first just so that you guys can actually have a relationship so you can actually grow together so you can actually be better. Um, so that's been one that's been huge for me. Um, a second one I would say is definitely like seek to understand, then be understood. And this is one that I try to apply very proactively. I suck at it, but I'm really trying. Um, but it's just really going in with every intention to understand the situation fully, like really get the information, um, because again, every time I've made bad choices, they've been emotional responses and they've been very reactive. So if I can be more understanding around the situation or the person first, I think I can then be understood and or understand the situation significantly better because half the time you just you just don't know what you don't know and then you're going into the scenario and you're not fully present, you're not fully there, you don't have all the information to actually do anything positive with the situation or the person. Um, but I would say like, those are two like big North stars. And then, um, I mean the, the third one I think is just like, it's just a commitment to consistency. It's just like, it's far more about being consistently good than occasionally great. There's this cool, uh, running coach out there, Jeff Cunningham, um, and he said that quote, he was just like, hey, it's more important to be consistently good than occasionally great. And that has shown up in every aspect of my life as well. It's like when you show up to work, people want to consistently know what they're going to get out of you. Like if you show up and you're sometimes pissed off or sometimes you're in a great mood, sometimes you're positive, sometimes you're negative. It's just like you're very inconsistent and people don't even know how to be around you. Um, showing up in your relationship consistently and not just being occasionally great. We do a cool date night once a week and then I'm super uh, all over the place the rest of the week. It's like, no, like I'm going to be consistently good. And it's more around that rather than being occasionally great and just looking for the highlight moments. Mm. No, I like that. I I think both of all of those, you know, I think stem back to humility, you know, Mm -hmm. Because all of those require 
an insane level of humility. And that's, you know, I, I think that humility is one of the, the greatest qualities in, in a leader, uh, because it, it requires you to have the utmost confidence, you know, while your ego is on the shelf, mm-hmm. you know, and that's such a fine balance, but to go in a situation, not blow up, but to be like, all right, let me chill out. Let me like actually get down to the basics. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes good in, in business and good in relationships, like freaking sucks. It's mm-hmm. the hardest work. It's the stuff that goes unseen, unpaid, unappreciated, you know, and sometimes it gets you know, taken for granted because it's just because it's who you are. It like when people get used to that over time, it's no longer even something special, you know, like if you open the do- car door for Steph every day, you know, at some point it's just like, oh, that's just what Andre does. And then you go to a restaurant and some couple that walks by, you open the car door and this has happened to me before. It's really funny open the car door and this couple walks by and all of a sudden you hear the girl, Oh my God, how come you never open the door for me? You know? And then all of a sudden, like my wife is like, Oh yeah, I, I do appreciate that. You know, like I, I did take that for granted because it happens so much that there's this reminder like, Oh man, you have been doing that for so long that I didn't even realize how special it was that somebody else doesn't even get it one time, mm-hmm. you know? And I think those moments, those moments are really special because it does allow you to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, I think it's something that is really under talked about, um, especially for guys that are, that do treat people well and that are kind, um, and chivalrous is that, you know, those things, unfortunately, the, the good things do go unseen, um, and unappreciated because, um, it's what we quote unquote should do. And, and I'm not somebody that, that thinks that we should get credit every time we do something nice. Like it's, it really is my desire that that's who I am more than something that I do. Um, but I do think that it is something that, uh, that women could do better is just recognize when a guy is trying. Hmm. You know what I mean? And that's, I, I, I didn't have intention to, I didn't have any intention to say this, but, but I think that the people that, um, it's even in the Bible, it's like, don't grow weary of doing good, you know, but when you're constantly doing it, it's not even that, you know, that your wife or girlfriend don't appreciate it. It's not that they like, don't see it as valuable, but it, it becomes just the norm, um, where even even the most giving people get tired of giving to someone who doesn't recognize the gift. Yeah, I mean, I think fundamentally it's like if you're a giver, I mean, worst case scenario, you give. And best case scenario, you give and somebody gives something back. And I think that's actually been something I've tried to focus on a lot because I feel like that's a – it makes sense, right? It's like, I've been giving, I've been giving, I've been giving. It's like, where's the appreciation out of it? It's like, well, default, I'm a giver. So like, therefore it's like worst case scenario. Like I just gave. And, um, you know, if we're talking about like the leadership side of it, you know, somebody that I look up to a lot in the leadership space is like Jocko Willink. And, you know, as leaders, it's, he had a quote around it, but he's just like, we adjust. Like, as the leader, it's like you adjust, like the leader of your relationship at home, at work. It's like, I can't expect at home the adjustment to get made. Like that's on me. I got to adjust. 
or at work, if something's not going, like I got to adjust. And by continuing to reframe it in that lens, you always have control around it, right? And it helps you not, at least for me, it's allowed me to not get as upset, right? Because like, you'll feel that you're like, man, where's the appreciate? It's just like, no, it's on me to adjust. And then you can put yourself back in a position to control it. Um, and then I think to another degree, I think it also requires enough humility to express things, right? It's like if you feel like you're undervalued or you feel like you're underappreciated, I think it's not going through that lens, but just another lens of like, have you communicated what you appreciate, right? Like if your love language is being, uh, is receiving some of that affirmation, it's just like, has that conversation been had? Cause it's an uncomfortable conversation to have sure. too, right? Cause just be like, uh, Hey babe, like it does mean a lot if you were to just say like thank you or like that you appreciated that. Like that just means a lot for me. And I know it's kind of almost selfish to say, but I do appreciate it. And that alone I think requires a lot of humility just to say that. But in all healthy relationships, I think that candor needs to be there. Um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think every, you know, shout out to Brene Brown. Um, she's one of my favorite authors, but talking about every there's one desire that everyone has and that's to belong mm-hmm. um which gets broken down into five factors to be seen known valued understood and loved you know and so when we talked about the people that we interact with on a daily basis you know I, for my goal is that the people that I re- interact with especially ones that I love the most unfortunately those are the ones that usually take the hit from all of us you know it's like oh they know I love them you know um but it's like no matter who I interact with, it's like, can I make them feel known? Can I make them feel valued, seen, understood? And that goes back to your point about to understand, you know, because that is one of the main pillars that people desire um, and to feel loved. And, you know, when we when we look at that, like like saying it just, I like I agree and I disagree with Jocko sometimes because it's like if we if we adjust, I definitely adjusted enough where it's like you stop anticipating somebody being thankful, but then there's a, a phrase, be a doorway, not a doormat, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, I'm just going to do it and I'm just going to accept that I might never, ever get, you know, whatever I'm thinking, I'm just going to do it regardless, you know? But there is something that, like you said, worst case, give, best case, you're a giver. Like stuff always comes back around. We all know if you give long enough, that stuff comes back around. Mm-hmm. Um. But with, you know, one of my favorite quotes around that is, you know, um, unspoken expectations equals premeditated resentment. Mm-hmm. Where, like you said, you know, if you're not sharing or you're not saying it, like on the low, in your subconscious, you're not even consciously thinking of it. You're building up this resentment like this motherfucker doesn't appreciate me, doesn't appreciate what I do, you know. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like... Then it's like, hey, babe, can you take out the trash? And now it's all and you're on 10. You know, you're like, whoa, daddy, chill. You know, it's like, why are you so upset about it? And there's just all of this pre-mated buildup, you know, it's just little things, little things that that go on. Um, and it comes down to the value of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for myself, like, I think in, in a public space, I, I value my ability to communicate. And I think that's something that I, I take pride in. Um, the fitness world, um, has definitely taught me that how to talk to people from, you know, every area of life. I would say all languages like political affiliations, sexes, you name it. Um, but 
you know, I would say in a, in a private setting, I'm not great at communication. Like I, I like to be a freestyler. Uh, I like to do things on the fly. Cause I like one of my principles is don't panic pivot. Like I like, uh, I would say I value my ability to pivot and, and shift. Um, but not everybody operates that way. Yeah. And, and so, you know, for me, it's, um, that's, that's probably why, probably one of my limiting beliefs is that, um, like, do, do I value that enough to go to, to go to war and die for it rather than just like humbling myself and changing, you know, even if it's a small amount to make everyone else's life around me, um, better organizations better. And it doesn't have to be either and, or sorry, either or, um, it can be both. And like, I can be good on the fly and be good in like within a structure and communicate and over communicate and, and all those things. Cause I, I grew up in around people and in a family where it was like, you just shared the necessities, you know, like the big things in life. You didn't share all the finite details and the inner workings of your day. It was, it was just like you said what needed to be said and you moved on. Um, and so I don't think I built a, a value system around that where I just like, I don't really care about dates. I don't care about like the little details. It's like, okay, what's the biggest freaking? what's the, you know, who's bleeding out and how do we fix that problem versus mm -hmm. like these little things over here. Um, all that to say, you know, going back, I, I think that givers don't go out to, to get reciprocation and appreciation. Um, but there are takers that do go out to, to take from givers. And if we're not careful and we, and we don't learn to, you know, put up boundaries and, and takers, you know, we, as, as givers, we have the ability to, to lead takers out of their prison, you know, by whether it's teaching them how to fish and get their own, um, or show them what, what healthy relationships look like. You know, you don't have to, to take, like we can. I can teach you how to be X, Y, and Z, and you can help lead people out of their prison, um, which I think you do really well. Uh, one thing I've always been impressed with you is your ability to sit down with people and really understand the inner workings of something um, and lay it out in a way that people want to want to do better and they want to make you proud and they want to be disciplined because they know that's what you value. And, and that's been cool to watch that, that play out in, in this company because uh, I get to watch it in an everyday basis. I get to hear the conversations that you don't get to hear when the door closes. <clears throat> um, but kind of going into our next question is, is your living legacy, um, which is, you know, usually legacy is what, what you leave behind or what people remember you for once you, you pass on. But I think that in order to have the, the effect and the impact that you were meant to have, we have to do it tangibly and intentionally when you, when you walk in, like you are, you are, cognizant of the effect that you're having, um, in the present moment. And so, you know, for you, what would you say that when, when Andre Jordan walks into the room, that room is about to get a next dosage of blank times three, uh, humility, humility for sure. Um, just like in just a way, it's like, I, I don't have all the answers. Like I, I certainly don't know the the best choices to make or the best things to do 
but I do believe if you can get a group of people in a room and lay out what the actual problem is, um, kind of the word we've been hearing recently is take what's in the dark and put it in the light. Um, and you get a group of people that are all humble enough to be like, yeah, we all agree that that's a problem. You can actually solve it. Um, I think that's the first thing because when everybody's egos can get removed, you can actually get to the root issue or the root problem. Um, second thing I would say is just like discipline. Um, and I don't even know if discipline's the right word. Maybe it's just consistent. I heard something around Rob Deerdick saying that he's just like, they're like, how are you so disciplined? He's just like, dude, I'm just really consistent. Cause like, someone's like, you work out six days a week. It's just like, you're so disciplined. It's just like, or you're just really consistent. So you can like almost use it as this interchangeable word. Um, because at the end of the day, it's like the work's got to get done and somebody's got to do it. Right. And like, I want to get the work done. So if that means I'm going to do it, that means I'm going to do it. But ideally we as a group, um, can go down and do that. Um, and then the third thing I would say is just like integrity. It's just like be, be the words that came out of your mouth. And I think that's the biggest thing that we can strive for, especially like if I were to walk in a room, I would want somebody to be like, yeah, that, that guy did what he said he was going to do. Like when he's, when he spoke, he just followed it up with action. Um, he was humble enough to be wrong or see things from a different perspective. Um, and he was just disciplined. Like when we set out to whether we're going left, whether we're going right, whatever it is, it's like that work's got to get done and we need to commit fully to it. Um, those would be like three of my biggest ones. Love it. Along those lines, obviously we're all kind of on our own, on our own journey. What do you think are some of your, or maybe it's just one limiting belief that you're, you're trying to work on? Man. Limiting belief that um, I think a limiting belief that I have would just be that I mean I I don't know because I want to put it on myself at the I, I, I'm I'm trying so hard to sound good but um, now a limiting belief would just be like that. I think that everybody's intentions are good. I think that's actually been a big limiting belief of mine because it's burned me a lot. Um, I think we need to trust that people do have good intentions, and I do believe that people's hearts are in the right place. And a lot of times it's just because we don't have a good enough relationship with them to really understand because, like, whether like I've been so I've been around a lot of shitty people, man. Like, and I've been a really shitty person, but I'll also be like unapologetically honest about like what it is that I want out of the situation. Um, and I think oftentimes like people are takers. Like we're natural. Like we are we're hardwired to be like selfish people and fend for ourselves and go into like that. Um, you know, you got to survive, right? And you go into survival mode. And I think something that I. Sh- struggle with is just thinking that everybody just is actually the things that they say they are they actually do want to do the things that they are yet their actions just are something very different and I think a limiting belief that I've had around that is just trusting but knowing that I need to verify it right like whether that's through following up uh, at work or whether it's at home in like a personal uh, setting Um, and again just taking more of that ownership and being like, well, I just need to adjust and put myself in a position to where that can't hold me back. Right. Because again, it's like 
think about like times where you you feel like someone's been like selfish at work. It's like it's not that they were even being selfish. They just had twenty things on their plate too. Like it's it's not like they were pushing you off or they didn't reply to your email or they didn't text you back because they just didn't want to. It's just like they had twenty things happening all at the same time, just like I had twenty things happening all at the same time. And sometimes that'll trigger that like negative emotional response where I'll just like yell in my truck or something or like just be like mad and be like oh my god this person yet when you actually like let the dust settle and you just have a conversation you're like oh like you're just trying to kick ass and take names just like me and just trying to then rally behind like how can I support how can I help um and and just trying to go back to that lens is something that I try to work on to overcome that limiting belief but um I also think that a lot of people struggle with direction in life I think I think it's it's really scary. It's like when you talk about like principles and values and things like that, it's like people would be like, yeah, I want to be a disciplined person. It's like they can't even fucking define it. It's like what does being disciplined even mean to you? Like what does being, what does having integrity actually, they're like, it just sounds good. I want to be a man of integrity. It's like what's that even mean? Like go put your grocery cart back like when you leave the store. Like start there. Like that's some integrity. Um, and I think the scariest thing is a lot of people say a lot of things. Um, they don't do a lot of work. Um, there's this thing I heard by uh, Stephen Bartlett. He was talking about this concept of like preacher versus parrot, where a preacher's going to take in the information, they're going to digest it, they're going to internalize it, they're going to practice it, they're going to apply it, and then they can go teach it. And a parrot just hears it and speaks it. And I think a lot of times people just want to say the sexy stuff. Um, people want to see the 10-second Instagram clip about the book, and they want to quote the book and act like they read it. Um, and I think it's just, like, on us that are in positions of leadership or are striving to be in positions of leadership is just stepping up and helping people do that, um, like, do the things that they said they were going to do. Because um, usually they just don't know how. Right. Like they just need some help. There's these expectations that they need to blow up overnight or they need to be an overnight success. And it's like, it's okay to suck. Like you've never done it before. Like, of course you probably suck. Um, and I think, you know, we get inflated by our egos or we want to like flex things that we say to make it sound really good. And it's like, you haven't done the work. Like you haven't stacked the evidence yet to be who you say you are. And it's actually a very um, nice thing to understand because then when you realize that the only thing that's holding you back is just doing the thing then you just go do the thing and like you go do the thing and then you can overcome that belief and usually it just takes work it's usually the unsexy answer it's usually the obvious answer um but just going back to that whole limiting belief thing it's just like helping put others in positions to win um and trusting that everybody's intentions might be in the right place, but their actions probably aren't going to follow through mm -hmm. and not tripping over that. Feel that. What is, so if you, if you had a leader like a video game and you got three attributes only for that leader to have, what are those three attributes? Humility, discipline and accountability. You could work with that. I could work with that. <laughs> I could work with that. You're like, please, God, send somebody my way. That. <laughs> I'll tell you, when I was 20, I wasn't thinking I was going to be on a podcast talking about leadership. 
<laughs> Definitely not about humility, accountability. Uh, we're going to go into some rapid fire questions right off the top. Are you ready? Let's get it. Favorite athlete or figure? Favorite athlete or figure? Man, someone that I just really just like listening to a lot is Alex Ramosi. I'm sure everybody that listens to podcasts knows that name. But he just just the way that he can freaking articulate things. Um, if I could work out with somebody, I'd want to work out with Chad Wright. You say that. That, that dude you is say just that a, now. He <laughs> but it's just like like I wanna under I wanna understand that mentality. Like it's that different. mentality to just shut it all off and just do the thing. It's so it's so crazy because I feel like he's in the same vein as Goggins, but they're a completely different animal. You know what I mean? Like they're so different, but they're so the same. He he's the clean version of David Goggins. Yes. He but he's just <laughs> yeah, he's something something different. Uh what's what's a piece of recent content that you've you've taken in, a book, podcast? thing they where you were like man that's so good i need to apply that it it's probably been a lot of uh some james clear stuff recently it's just it's just getting out of this space of thinking and just getting into this place of doing like i was scrolling on instagram a couple of days ago it's just like stop consuming and start doing it's just staying in this state of action and applying is one of the the biggest things that i'm trying to focus on right now but it's just stop consuming and start applying. It's just like you've probably read enough, listened enough, and consumed enough. Like you just got to go like do, 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 and get the reps. Yeah, I think it, I think I said that to you a while ago where it's like it's not uh, it's not overload of information. It's under implementation. Yeah, it's like not information overload, but implementation underload. That's what yep. it was. Good call. Which is so freaking true. Um, what, what's something that you work hard on every day that you would love if somebody noticed? Being honest, hmm. like unapologetically, um, gets a bad rap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, it's hard to be honest. Well, yeah. I mean, like a couple, couple years ago when I came back and started at ECA, um, you know, MJ, our president, like he came on and so fucking brutally honest. And it was, I remember like sitting in a room with him before he like officially hired me. And I was like, dude, I want two things. I want leadership and mentorship, like help me personally and professionally. Like, just tell me what to do. I'm palms wide open. I'm ready. And hearing the unapologetic honesty from him to myself telling me the things that I didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear. And then seeing him do that with other people from just like a third person perspective. And then also realizing that a lot of fucking people want that and need that. But like, they're not going to go ask for that. They're not going to be like, dude, can you just be like super unapologetically honest and just like hurt my feelings and tell me the things I don't want to hear. It's like, that is our responsibility to a certain degree. And it's on us, I think, tactfully to figure out the best way to say it and convey it and articulate it. Um, because otherwise, the other result is we just end up sitting in a room talking shit about somebody versus them not even knowing where their holes were that they could just go solve it and then helping support them. 
Yeah, I think I don't know. I have so many thoughts around that about the brutally honest thing because there there is such a fine line between like being a douche and being somebody that's honest. Like, for sure, I, I wholeheartedly. <laughs> I grew up with a dad that would like read over an email for like two hours before he'd send it because he's trying to like think about how any person on this planet would like take it and read it and perceive it and like wanted to take everybody into consideration. Um, that's really funny because he just texted me. Um, he, his ears were burning. Uh, and so I definitely got ingrained with a lot of that um, where it's like, I overanalyze what I'm going to communicate because I know I try to take that person into account of like, how is this person going to take, because it's not just about giving the honest feedback. It's like, is this honest feedback going to be productive or counterproductive when delivered? Well, so this is what I, I try to make sure the thing that I try to actively work on, because I think you got to, I think especially when you're having uncomfortable conversations, you should just write it down first. Like if you can put time between putting it on paper, like what it is that you want to say or how you want to say it. And then before you have that conversation, because you might be emotional when you're writing it down, then you sleep on it. You're like, oof, good thing I didn't say that. Right. And then before you go into that conversation, but it's like, where is it coming from? Like it comes from the intention. Like if you're being unapologetically honest, you're just like, dude, you suck at what you're doing. It's like, you're just, like why, like, why are you even saying that? And there's no, like, positive critique there. It's just, like, you're just putting somebody down. I think being unapologetically honest, it has to come from how am I serving this person, not serving myself. For sure. And it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, leadership. It's like you're trying to persuade people to do, do what you tell them to do. But that's very different than manipulation where you're trying to get something out of it. 100%. Right. So I think if you're being unapologetically honest with the end in mind that you are just trying to help this person where maybe they just can't freaking help themselves and you're coming at it from an angle and a lens of how do I serve this person and it's not about me. That's where I feel like you have um, the the ability to be impactful with that. And it's not coming off as being a douche because those are the times where people come back to you and they usually don't like it. But then they circle back to you the next day or maybe in a year from now, maybe even a decade, and they're going to be like, thank you for saying that. Yeah, and um, take it one step deeper. I, I think it it comes back to our, our ability to separate identity and skill set. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, back when times were rough, when we had, like, riots and everybody was arguing just about everything and um, – talking to my sister like I was just kind of like broken because there's people close to me just saying stuff that are just it's just like hurtful and just evil and wrong and just like ignorant and uh my sister was like my best friend growing up we're we're a lot alike and I'm just like man I don't I don't know I don't know how to interact with those people and and have that conversation um or how to how to change my view of it you know and one thing she said always stuck with me. She's like, Jeremy, what you have to realize is that not everybody has, like, done the deep work to, like, listen and analyze and, and give people the benefit of the doubt and love people the way that you have. And and that stuck out to me because it's like sometimes 
like say take for you for example like you went through your whole life you had ups and downs you got to this point where you finally were like all right give me i want brutal honesty i want leadership i want mentorship and you're like arms wide open be honest right you you got to this place where you were ready to take a step and you were like say whatever you need to say like i don't really care i just want to be better and then we go into a conversation with somebody who's not even close to that like they think like they came from a job where like everybody was on their jock strap and they were like the man and then they step into your room after they messed up and you're like dude this sucks this is not xyz and like they're not ready to to take that on because they haven't learned the ability to separate what they do from who they are and so when we haven't done that work or we haven't and as leaders if we haven't learned the ability to communicate the difference between the two that mm-hmm. i'm not saying like say for for example there's i coach baseball i don't coach baseball for example and there's a little kid timmy and i'm like man timmy your your batting needs help and you know we're working on this but it's not getting any better then he goes back to his mom and he's like coach jeremy said that i'm a terrible kid and that i i shouldn't even play sports anymore and like that i'm i'm dumb it's like well i didn't say any of that but that's the way it's perceived when we haven't separated like your ability to hit a baseball versus who you are as a human being and so when we when we're leaders like whether it's in our in our family, like as a husband leading a household, or it's in in a work setting, it's it's our ability to empower the human being while keeping the uh, the actions accountable, you know. And so, one of my pillars that I hold really close to me is that I leave every person better than how I found them. Because it's, it is going in and, okay, how do I, this is why leadership is so hard. And it's why not a lot of people want to be leaders. And they want to be leaders, they get the title and they get in there like, all right, people are messy. I don't think I want to be a leader anymore. Because you get into this place where, all right, how do I make this person feel valued, seen, known, understood, loved, and still tell them that what they're putting on the table is, isn't even close to good enough? And how do I leave the person whole? while raising the standard of their skill set. And that's why like leadership is tough because it takes so much deep work to actually figure out how to make that person know that you're in their corner, you want them to win. There's nothing that you don't you wouldn't do to help them win, but what's on the table right now has to change. And and so like I'm surrounded by in my life, I'm surrounded by so many pessimists and realists, it's not even funny. And it's kind of pisses me off uh cuz they're all like, I love them all so much, but I'm like, yo, you guys got to chill. So when, they, when they'll just say whatever comes to their mind and they just like, well, this is just who I am. Like, you know me well enough to know that when I say that, I don't actually mean that. And it's like, but at some point you have a responsibility to like think about what's coming out of your mouth first and then think about is that how I want to be portrayed, you know? Well, so like... It goes back to the the initial leadership thing. It's like if you're the person saying that, it's like if you're going around and you're being unapologetically honest, you're telling people the truth of it, and nobody takes it well, it's like you're the leader. You adjust. Because clearly whatever you're doing ain't working, right? So, like, there's something there. But at the same time, it's like I don't think that many people really, really know what they want. For sure. I don't think they really, really know – why they want it. So therefore it's like that criticism or that critique 
it's almost more a jab at the person themselves rather than the behavior, right? And I think that's usually where some of this honesty needs to live. It's not at the person themselves. It's at the bes- the, the specific behavior. For sure. Um, I think that's a, a huge part of it. Have you heard the, the book Gap versus Gains? No. It's um it's super valuable. I think you would really enjoy it. It's it's talking about like as leaders, do you see just the gap of what's missing or do you see how far that person's come and where they can go? And so, you know, I think for me one one thing that in in life um has had a massive impact on the way that I interact with the world is just this principle of Anytime I engage with anybody, my first question when I'm talking to them is like, what does this person look like completely attached to who they were created to be? Like at their best possible potential, what does this person look like? And then from then on out, like my goal is to treat them in a way that they can see in my interaction with them a different version of themselves that they maybe couldn't even see in their mirror. You know, where like if they get around me, like they want to be better. They want to be a harder worker. They want to be more joyful. They want to, you know, like, what are the, how do you get that result? Or how do you interact with where you get, you know, these group of people to do X, Y, Z? Because just by interacting with me, my hope is that I treat them so well because I'm not treating them as they are. I'm treating them as they, as I want them to be. And that's the best case scenario, you know? And, and so as a leader, it's, it's easy now for me to take ownership over my, my interaction with them because it's no longer now their actions. I'm owning my ability to help them get to where they can go, you know? And so it, that creates, it, it, it stems around a powerless versus a powerful mindset because a powerful mindset says, I don't need to control you. That's your job. You don't need to control me. That's my job. But what I can do is help you see something that makes you want to control yourself better. And and if a rising tide raises all ships, so like you said, when you walk in, it's like if if I know that if I want to be like Andre and Andre is disciplined and he's humble and he's hungry and you name it, then it's like my value system changes. If I want to be like Andre and Andre's walking around picking up trash, all of a sudden picking up trash became cool. See, I actually want to change my answer. I walk into a room, we're going to win. See, like, because I think that's that's the thing, because, like, I'm not going to quit. And you're not scared of the dirty work. That's that's I, the thing. I, I'm not going to quit. Therefore, like, I know I'm going to win. Right? So, like, if you can rock <laughs> with me, we can go and win. And that's not that's not an arrogant thing. That is just, like, I just... Because when you start hurting, I want to hurt more. When you get dirty, let me get dirtier, right? And around a lot of this stuff, it's like there's so much pressure on people build up so much pressure around the strategy and the the plan and the process. And it's like, just fucking go, like, just do the thing. Like there's this whole awesome essay thing I don't even know where I got it from but it's just like talking about the things not doing the thing thinking about the things not doing the thing writing out how you're going to do the thing isn't doing the thing it's like writing a banger tweet or posting a cool post on Instagram isn't doing the thing the only thing that's doing the thing is doing the thing right and you can't be upset about the result you don't get for the work that you don't do and I think if people can just get into a place where it's just like just do more and it's because it's like a lot of things it's like 
you don't have to be the most creative person in the world. You don't need to have some crazy high IQ to really excel. Like you just need to honestly just outwork most people. Like that's really where it comes down to. So if you can develop that kind of level of discipline and consistency and stamina just to stay in it and keep showing up every day. And it really does help too when you really care about it and you have an idea of where you want to go. Um, but that's just like the biggest thing is there's, we put so much pressure on how we're going to do it rather than just like, just start doing something, right? Like just do the thing. And that like, that's going to be the next hashtag whenever we start again. It's just like, just hashtag do the thing. <laughs> like that's going to be it. Well, I think that's, that's the, um, literally the essence of off the leash is that we don't have all the answers, but we're the ones in the trenches willing to figure it out with you. And, and I think if there's anything that I have seen you as a leader exemplify, it's like, and when you're looking around and, and hands are clean, like you're the first person to hop in the ditch, grab a shovel and be like, yo, what are we doing? Like, let's go. And I think that, you know, people, people trust and they like, people can't be anything they haven't seen or heard. And I think that's something that's really valuable is that when, when you pick up a shovel and one that, that, that instantly increases people's trust in you and the belief that they have in you to get them where they want to go. Like I always say, like I would rather have the scarred and marred warrior than the pretty boy Prince mm-hmm. that has a great plan. Like I'm following the guy who's been in a bunch of wars when he says like, Hey, you're not going to want that. You don't need that. You need that. You know, it's like say less I'll jump. Whenever you say jump, I don't need to know because I know that you've been there before. And, and I think for, you know, for a lot of us, like one of my favorite phrases, um, for leadership is time will tell, like I can lead you there. I can walk you through having a different mindset around the work. I can have you see a different version of yourself. I can give you the tangible tools, but time will tell if you really want it period. You know, there's this, uh, one of my favorite quotes um, from a guy, his name is John Bros. He was a American weightlifting coach. And when I was into weightlifting, like really into Olympic weightlifting, uh, man, like four or five years ago, he had this analogy. He was just like, and it was, we were squatting every day. I squatted like every day for like 200 some straight days. And this whole analogy was like, there's this hole in the ground. And this hole in the ground is like the result you're trying to get. And then over to this other side, you've got this big old pile of dirt right? Now you got a shovel. Well, that dirt is all the work. So the sooner you shovel that dirt inside of that hole, the sooner you get the result. So it's just like, to a certain degree, like more work does equal a better result or a faster result. And I think to your point, it's just like being in it and just doing the thing. And it's like, the more you just like do the thing. And if you can have the humility, it's like, if I just keep doing and fucking up, I'm going to start learning a lot. Right. So, so long as I don't keep repeating the same mistake. Um, and like that, that's just a massive piece too. It's just like, pick up the shovel and start freaking moving the dirt. And it's like, you look at, like, look at Michael, move the dirt, (laughs) hashtag move the dirt, (laughs) hashtag Um, do the thing. (laughs) Dude, it's just like, but it's like when, uh, you're watching like the last dance, right. And they were always talking about like Michael Jordan and that. It's just like, that dude had the dirtiest Jersey. He was the most sweaty. He was the most just like worked and like duh like that's that's why he became who he was right like he he wasn't Michael Jordan until he accomplished all the things that he did 
right? And like, so you're not going to be that person that accomplished all those things until you go and accomplish those things. And it's when you start to really appreciate the process through it, right? It's like, what is it? It's like the, the person that loves walking will walk farther than the person that loves the destination, right? Sure. Like when you fall in love with that piece to it, that's what makes this all really fun. And like, that's where you can actually, to what we were talking about earlier, separate like the identity from the work, right? Because it's the process of like, yeah, we're doing these things like inside the four walls of work, right? But like, how are some of those other pieces translating outside of my life? It's like, if I'm trying to show up and be a present leader at work, what am I showing? What am I doing to show up and be present as um, a boyfriend to Steph or a son to my parents or um, a brother to my sister, 100%. right? Like, what's that look like? And I think when we can start understanding that, like, we are the, what is it, like, we're the outcome of the work or we're the output of our work, not the outcome, right? It's like, it's not, I'm doing all this stuff just for this thing. It's like, no, man, like, I became more disciplined. I learned more. I became more intelligent. I became more accountable. I became more consistent. I increased, like, my level of respect for myself from other people, um, and that's the thing. And like, as a leader too, it's like when you don't know the answer and let's say your team's not winning, right. And, and like, you don't have the answer and what you're saying is not working. It's like, what else do you do besides pick up the shovel and get down there? Like, cause it clearly uh, something's missing somewhere. Right. And the best way to sometimes get that perspective is to go down and get dirty. Right. And like, you got to go down and in, so then you can come back up and look up and out. hundred percent. All right. You ready for this next question? Do it. Who is your collab dream? My collab dream. Yeah. If you're going to collaborate on something, maybe you run a race with somebody, write a book with somebody, work out with somebody, do a movie. Andre on the film. Man, I would want to write a book with Patrick Colencioni. That Ooh. dude knows how to freaking write a book, man. Not wrong. Um, all right. You have to fill in the blank. Is it just me or blank? Is it just me or I? <laughs> if you really knew me, you if you really knew me well, you would know that I what? I care about uh, my family, my girlfriend, my dog working out. It's not a lot. <laughs> that is very true about you. Failure is what? Learning. Success is what? Whatever you define it to be. Why can't people just be... More patient. What is your currency? Trust. Mm. All right, this is one of our favorites. A rant and a rave. What are you ranting and raving about? Rant is something negative. Raving is something positive. Could be anything. Ranting is all the shit that people aren't doing that they want to do. It's just like, it's just never ending. I want to do all the, like, stop wanting, start doing. Or just like, admit that you don't really want it that much. Like, what do you want to want? Like, again, it's just like, there, there's no pressure on anybody to have this answer, right? Yet, to your point, it's like, we all want to belong. So, People are out there not actually wanting things, yet they're living their entire life making all these choices around something that they don't actually even want. And that is, it's, it's scary. 100%. What are you raving about? 
What are you loving right now? It could be a pair of shoes. It could be food. It could be a book. It could be me. <laughs> <laughs> what am I? Dude, um, dude, I... I, I'm loving the I'm loving the place in life that I'm in right now. It's just like a a skill set development, just like in anything and everything. I don't, I don't know, like how do you get more handy at home? How do you build stuff, um, dude? Like I I just really I want to like build like shelves and freaking cabinets <laughs> and like I don't know, man. Like I, I, like I just want like being more resourceful. Mm. Love it. Uh, your quality of life is in direct correlation with what? Wait, say that again. I said the uh, quality of life is in direct correlation with what? What where determines you, your quality of life? Where you define where your happiness comes from. Where does yours come from? Having a vision. Love it. Who do you champion? Is there something in your life right now that you're in the corner big time? Yeah, dude. Chris Williamson. That dude, everything that he's putting out right now, like, and that's just, this guy's just been so consistent for so long, and then he's just, like, blown up, and the amount of interviews and knowledge that that dude has been exposed to and he's just, like, really relatable. Like, I just, I feel like I connect with the message that he's bringing. For sure. If you could spend a day in anyone's mind, who would it be? Alex Ramosi. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have everybody in the world take on one belief, what would it be? That it. Majority of things are on a continuum and not a binary. Mm. I like it. If you ha could have any advice to help people get off the leash and overcome limits, what would that belief be? Shut up and do the thing. Just do it. Just do the thing. Andre, where can people find you online? Uh, Andre Jordan on Instagram. And that's about it. I'm not... I'm kind of a boring guy. Andre's working on some books right now. Aren't you, Andre? A little bit. A little bit? May, may, maybe eventually. I used to do a lot of writing, actually. I believe that. And we have another podcast with Andre coming up soon with another special guest where we're going to get into ultra marathon running Oof. on that side of things. But you have anything else to say to the people, all the listeners out there? Whatever's on your to-do list, just go do it. And then at the same time, if you want to make another list, make a stop doing list. What are all the things you need to stop doing? I love it. My friend, I appreciate you. Appreciate Thank you. Thank you for popping on in. OTL Nation, you know what to do. Go off the leash lifestyle. All the merch is on there. Programs, deals, all the OTL codes that you could possibly want. And I'll be back with you all very soon. You know what it is, huh?